Better Banking is getting an unbelievable 0.99% APR rate on a home equity line of credit from First Commonwealth Bank to turn your bathroom into your, wow, I love this bathroom, bathroom. 0.99% introductory APR for six months that adjusts to a variable rate based on Wall Street Journal prime rate plus or minus a margin with a minimum rate of 2.99% and a maximum rate of 18%. Offer subject to change or withdrawal at any time. Call 1-800-711-2265 for details about credit costs and terms. Equal housing lender, First Commonwealth Bank, member FDIC. On this episode of DC On Screen, we are talking about the final episode of Flash Season 5. And really, we're going to be talking about Flash Season 5 right after this. Better Banking is getting an unbelievable 0.99% APR rate on a home equity line of credit from First Commonwealth Bank to turn your bathroom into your, wow, I love this bathroom, bathroom. 0.99% introductory APR for six months that adjusts to a variable rate based on Wall Street Journal prime rate plus or minus a margin with a minimum rate of 2.99% and a maximum rate of 18%. Offer subject to change or withdrawal at any time. Call 1-800-711-2265 for details about credit costs and terms. Equal housing lender, First Commonwealth Bank, member FDIC. You think of Earth as a singular planet. In fact, it is anything but. For this is a story not of a universe, but a multiverse. Where universes and planets, such as Earth, were replicated and mirrored across a vibrating, infinite plane. Some barely different from the next. Others drastically so. This is DC On Screen. Every week, Dave and Jason talk about the multiverse of DC properties on film and television. But be warned, if it's been officially released, you can expect they'll spoil it. Welcome in to DC On Screen. I am your host, David C. Robertson. This, my co-host, Jason Goss. Hello. All right, so we've seen The Flash Season 5. <laughs> Let's... Uh, do you... What do you... I don't know how to say this. Do you feel like you care less now? About what? The Flash. No. Because, you know, back when back in the day, like season two or whatever, like I was just all about like season one and two, I felt like had a certain momentum where I was just like, what the hell is going on? Uh, oh, man, look at Wells or oh, man, who's the guy in the iron mask? And somewhere who is Zoom? They did a really good job with that kind of stuff. In the last couple of years has just been sort of eh in the in those terms. Well, in the sense that it was just champing at the bit for the next season. Um, mm-hmm. Yes and no. On the one hand, they've got plenty set up for the next season. On the other hand, you know, they don't have this giant mystery to tide me over. Mm-hmm. But am I less excited? Probably not. I mean, it was still a good season. I enjoyed it. It was, um, I think it was one of my least favorite seasons, honestly. Just couldn't get involved in it? Hmm? Just couldn't get involved in it? Um, At the onset, I liked Cicada enough, but as it got further in, he just kept doing more and more of the Christian Bell Batman voice. (laughs) Cicada was my least favorite version. And the weird part is the the guy who played him, what is his name? Chris Uh, Klein, I think. Klein. There we go. Um, Klein, when he's playing the dad, I loved him. Mm -hmm. He did a great job. Yeah. He was charming, mm-hmm. effective. He, I believed everything he said. When he's playing like, Cicada, they they had him do this way over the top, yes, exaggerated. What the hell are we up to? Kind of thing. It was like distractingly awful. And he's like doing this thing where he like cranes his neck down and then like slowly keeps like looking up to the side with his eyes rolling in the back of his head. I'm like, I just hated it. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't like that take at all. 
Like I was really happy when they kind of killed him mid-season. Yeah, but then they kept bringing him back, like talking to her in she the cicada voice. Yeah, and then they did the same thing with her, though. We're like, if if you're on this show and you're supposed to be cicada, and when you're acting like cicada, like when you're acting like a bad guy, apparently for cicada on this show, you're supposed to overact. It it that part annoyed the crap out of me because. Mm-hmm. I saw glimpses of her. They didn't really give her much to do except do that role. But I saw glimpses of her where I thought, oh, she could probably do a better job. Mm-hmm. And then I know he can do a better job. I We saw him in this. Sh- if I'd never seen him in anything else, I saw him in this show do a better job. Yeah. And they just made him do that instead. I don't understand why. I don't either. And it, it, it bothered me throughout. Yeah. Throughout the season, that was a detractor for me. For sure. Mm-hmm. But the actual uh, idea of Cicada throughout the season is pretty solid. I mean that that was a that was a good big bad for the season. Somebody who can walk into any situation and no matter what you're capable of, fucking gone. Yeah. That's a that's a cool power. I'm glad um, they played with it. The concept of Cicada was cool. I don't think I ever fully bought into the idea of Metatech. I never wrapped my head around that. And I thought it was kind of stupid every time they mentioned it. What do you mean Metatech? Like that was the big thing of the season was they were <laughs> Like so many of the criminals of the the freaks of the week or whatever you want to call it had Metatech where it was like, oh, just when, when Barry and Nora, pun- when Barry and, well, when Barry and Nora punched that satellite somehow. It w- oh, that. With, okay. No, remember like all the, the car could do different things and yeah, like yeah. different. Yeah. It was just stupid to me. I don't, I didn't like it. I know. I know it was stupid to like, I know it is inherently stupid to pick something like that out of a comic book show and be like, I didn't like that portion of the unbelievable thing. Well, yeah, but at the <laughs> but, same time when Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. did it and it was a bunch of tech left over from the New York incident, I loved it. I, yeah, I, I think it's a viable storyline. It might come down to just how they describe it or how they portray it. I think it came down for you as too much of a Monster of the Week thing because you hate that. I do hate that. I, th- I think that was like, like that for monster of the week for you and for me. I'm not just saying you. I I don't I don't I have a little bit more forgiveness for it week to week than mm-hmm. you do. Um, if if it's an enjoyable enough concept for a week, I'll I'll just kind of write it off and be like, well, that's cool, that worked, and and move on. I think you resent the story not moving on. I do, but I also resent there being 22 episodes instead of like 10. Yeah, but then in that case, what you really want is for there to be no meta tech, and you just want the story to move on. Right. Like, I don't mind. <laughs> oh, I don't want there to be Metatech necessarily the way that they portrayed it on The Flash because I thought it was dumb, as I've said. But, or I, I just wasn't satisfied with whatever their explanation of it was at the time. I was okay with it as an inevitable conclusion. I mean, there, there's no way this kind of incident happens, especially when you have Cicada whose Metatech is a dagger. Mm-hmm. There's no way there's not more complicated Metatech out there. It makes sense that it's that it exists in this universe and they played with it this you know this season. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, that's that's just you know a quibble I have with the premise. Um, and I wasn't crazy about the villain. Like I liked the concept of the villain for the most part, but I don't. I did. I didn't like the way they they played him. Mm-mm, I didn't either. I'm with you on that one. All right. So of course, Cicada isn't the the big big villain. Of course, I. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reverse Flash is the big, big villain right. of the season. And I assumed, like, I was really hoping, in a way, that this was a thought is at the end of his life, 
uh, and he's about to, or he's finally found some kind of. You wanted um, a redemption arc. I wanted a little bit of redemption arc, but I didn't think it was going to happen because he still looked like Wells. Yeah. So I assumed I mean, you that got was, you know, he was kind doing something. There was, and he did. I think he was being genuine when he tells Barry that he looked at Nora like a daughter. I do. Um, like that part I really enjoyed that Barry and his relationship was advanced a little bit by Little Runner. You know, like they, I, I think that part of his advancement on a psychological level is true and not a play and not a ploy. I think mm-hmm. he actually had feelings for Nora. Yeah, absolutely. And I like that. I really like that. Um, I even, God, Tom Cavanaugh has this amazing ability to make me root for him in no matter what no the situation is. No matter what, is. dude. I have heard him do Dr. Pepper commercials, and I wanted to drink that drink. Right. And, you know, I I like I like the Tom Cavanaugh version of Eobard Thawne so much more than the other version. The guy that was... that. We saw Bite It in Legends a few uh, last season or whatever it was. Yeah. And I, I don't know what the difference is necessarily. I can't really like put my finger on the differences in characterization, but I do not feel like that is the same character in a lot of ways. Like there, there's some sort of dissonance there for me. I just I can't quite connect them. I do understand they're the same guy, but I just like Tom Cavanaugh so much more. I mean, they're the same guy, but it's also a different guy in that timeline. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a uh, dirty blonde, I'll call him, Ibrard Thon, in the <laughs> timeline before he takes over the Harrison Wells body. It's it's weird, man. It's uh, it's something that would take a lot of time to delve into. Like, all right, where where does that actor fit into the timeline, and where does Kavanaugh uh, fit into the timeline? It right. It's odd. But what I do know is, I I agree. I definitely like Kavanaugh's version. But yeah, At all I, I, turns. Since we have seen him post Kavanaugh uh, Thawne, I, I knew that his time wasn't really up. So there's that. Mm-hmm. And I assumed that, like, despite my desire for his redemptive arc, that he was going to betray Nora or at the very least utilize her for some nefarious means, which of course he did. And I couldn't have been more happy when he tortured that guard before killing him. Oh yeah, that that yeah that worked for me. I was also really happy it was Dimney that uh, kind of actually sorted that out. Yes, yes, that was cool. Now, like that, even Sherlock a, or whatever is he, however yeah. he wants to pronounce it, getting to say kind of as he leaves, you've got a real detective on your hands. Mm-hmm. Being able which, to leave it to to Dimney, which is a character that I've gotten really attached to over the mm-hmm. last couple of years. Now Sherlock, however you say it. <laughs> Didn't care for. I like Tom Cavanaugh. I love Tom Cavanaugh. Don't get me wrong. I thought that I thought his is the woman that he marries in every timeline being named Adler was stupid. I, I no, just, I like that. Just, I thought it was dumb. No, I just really did. it should be Adler at every turn. Well, yeah, but I mean, are we saying that he's an alternate version of Sherlock Holmes, or are we saying that he's just that the, the names are just coincidence? Or I mean, I guess it's the multiverse, so everything is a hundred percent probable no i would say that it's it's uh entirely different in my version of it the the names sherlock whatever and uh renee adler are names Mm -hmm. that are tied together at all times and when someone writes about it fictionally later and it becomes a a major story they just use those names like to me it's just fiction there are books about sherlock and adler Uh uh-huh and then there's the actual persons okay like, to well, me, it, it's not that they were actually Sherlock and Renee Adler. They were just... 
Or, I mean, she wasn't Irene Adler. But she Irene was Adler. Really, Sorry. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, I, yeah, to me, it's just a version of uh, a version of the truth and somebody fictionalizes it later and makes it part of our fictional history. But mm-hmm. I'm okay with it being that there was an actual version in several multiverses where they meet. And in yeah. every version, somebody thinks I should fictionalize that and write it down. Hmm. I, um, yeah, I don't know. I just thought, I mean, Kavanaugh was great. I'm not, I don't think I'm saying that I didn't think the character should have been there. I just, I didn't like the names. I thought it was kind of silly. <laughs> that was a little silly. No, I agree with you there. Although I did enjoy, I didn't, I even enjoyed the bit where he kept mispronouncing names and people kept correcting him. And then he, the only name that he knew how to pronounce was his own name. Yeah, that was a running bit that we've even done just now. Where every time he pronounced Sherlock or whatever you want to say it, he would just say it again. And sometimes it was like the same damn thing. Mm-hmm. But I, it's also like a thing that I've enjoyed in, in his, like, I I love the Nero Wolf novels. And there's a quote from Nero Wolf in, in one of the novels where he says, the, the American tongue is not equipped to use uh, French effectively. It's just, mm-hmm. we are not by our nature. If you were born here and use American language, we cannot use French correctly. And having listened to French on several occasions, I kind of agree. That shit's weird. You're doing some stuff mm-hmm. with your nose that's just, uh, I, 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 it's really hard to mimic. It was a cool conceit. I enjoyed it for the season. Yeah. How did you feel about Nora overall? Just I like the arc. arc. I like the arc. I mean, the only thing that bothered me about the arc in general was how quickly Barry turned on her in the last few mm-hmm. episodes. I mean, Barry is supposed to be the heart of this show in, in a lot of ways. And when he left her in the in the past, I kind of thought, dude, you, that's not, it's not congruent with what I normally think of when I think of The Flash. Like, in this series. Normally, he's the guy that's holding out hope. I did love that Iris calls him out on that. Mm-hmm. And I like that he came around, but it still, it was one of those things that felt like a, kind of a false narrative. It, it yeah. shouldn't have been there to begin with. He should have had like it back I feel like it was there for padding. A little bit. Um, I mean, I guess in a, in, a, in a certain sense, like every season, Barry really has to put up with some sort of big betrayal from somebody. And I kind of like the idea that it just kind of, it may have broken him a little. Like they, they should have gone big with it or just not done it at all. And I don't feel like they went big enough with it for them to, for, to have justified them doing it. Well, they, um, in that sense, you may have a point. They, they were very concise about it. He is very angry. He has a reaction. And in, you know, in terms of the episodes, less than a week later, he completely 180s and goes into what we consider the normal Barry mode of, I, I know the people I trust and love the people I trust and I trust them outright, mm-hmm. implicitly. And he gets back into that very quickly as the story progresses. But eh, yeah, I mean, he has a moment and he deals with it very quickly. Mm-hmm. I, 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 all right, how should I put this? I would rather them have tied that up over the time they did than over half a season. If that was the alternative. I can see that. I, um, I, I think I would have preferred that they not done it at all. I think I would have too. But um, I will say this about about Nora. I don't know, and this is something me and my wife were talking about. My wife was like, "How old is Nora supposed to be?" And I said, "No, she's in her thirties. Um, she's a CSI at the. I mean, they keep saying it was thirty years in the future, but she does not act like she's thirty years old. She acts like she is sixteen. 
with her relationship with Iris, with her relationship with Barry, with her actions, she acts like she is a teenager. And that is a real detriment for the character, in my opinion. Like, she's borderline infuriating at times. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. And they because do she play ain't it out. Grown. Like, yeah, I wish they had said she was 20 years old. Because mm-hmm. that would have been doable. I mean, when, like, when you're 20, you're just starting to become an adult and see your parents as people. And through the course of this series, they're trying to do that. But same time, let me give it this conceit and see if that plays for you at all. Mm-hmm. The way they introduced her was her coming back and it, she was just some girl we saw in like a couple of flashback scenes in a crossover. Yeah. Um, and she just clearly wanted to meet these people. So imagine her in a scenario where maybe she is. They did establish the fact that she's really good at her job as a CSI. Right. Um, maybe this is a situation where she did have a normal life and we just didn't get to see it. And she did grow and, and age. And then her version of therapy, like the mid thirties, maybe I needed to go see a therapist instinct was she has the ability to actually go back and see people. Mm-hmm. So it's not quite a rested development, but it's kind of like a, a belated development where maybe she did have a whole life. And maybe if you'd caught her a year before this whole thing, maybe she looked like an adult. Maybe she looked mm-hmm. like Barry in his real life where he's just able to do his, you know, CSI tasks super fast and all that. But it, in her version, maybe she just has this moment where she really breaks down and has like a, an emotional crisis in her thirties where she's like, I've, I've really got to work this shit out or I'm not going to be able to grow. Mm-hmm. And in her version, she can go back and actually see her damn parents. And then it, if that's the case, we would see this emotionally underdeveloped person because that's what they're showing us right now. In yep. my in my version, in my conceit, maybe she's we're seeing the worst version of her as far as developmental, <laughs> emotionally development. Maybe, but yeah, maybe she just hasn't moved on much since she's twenty. I don't know. I you know, hmm. it's possible. I guess I you know, I just I still just I don't feel like they were getting that deep with it. I really just don't. Yeah, I mean, they definitely didn't get that deep with it. I would just say that's a possible explanation. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a nice little headcanon you got there. Yeah, right? I'll take it. <laughs> um, let's see, what else we got here? Um, how do you feel about Cisco's thing this season? With uh, Cisco and, 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 and Caitlin had an interesting arc where she's coming to terms and accepting Killer Frost, and he's doing the exact opposite with Vibe. Yeah, um, I would have sided with Caitlyn instead of Cisco on this one. I mean, accepting yourself on every level is what they did with her. And on the other hand, they had Cisco kind of, in a way, want to be proud of himself and mm-hmm. and establish himself as Cisco. But the only thing that didn't take on that, and I understand that behind the scenes, he wanted to leave the show because he was he has other stuff he wants to do. Apparently, he's I've heard his music. It's not it's it's good music. It, but he wants to go back and, and do his other pursuits. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I don't begrudge him that. But on the show, he established himself as a badass way before he was ever a superpowered badass. Yeah, that's the only thing that didn't track for me was that, like, this dude knows how to do so much shit. Like, he can create so much stuff. And he's such a fan of, like, the superhero genre and of geek properties. Like, I just don't necessarily really believe that he would want to get rid of his powers especially like like i'm all for creating a cure for those who don't want to be a metahuman you know for whatever reason if their powers are disruptive to their lives or or hurt people and, and they can't control it 
or if it makes them look grotesque or something like, you know, a nightcrawler or something. But, uh, you know, just it feels like Cisco made a, a selfish decision and a, a short-sighted decision because there's nothing, I don't think there's anything about the vibe powers that I'm looking at that make me think like you can't you can live a normal life and just like occasionally touch something and get a vibe like that's okay like it's okay to be have a normal life and just like be able to like transport yourself somewhere else like my god you never have to go through traffic again yeah no he what are you doing he could totally have just had his normal life they and they tried to pin it psychologically on the the idea that he wants to be the best version of himself without any kind of uh addendums without any asterisks and that's that's great but within the course of the show it didn't really like you said it didn't really track yeah it he doesn't was track already a badass and well established before he ever got his powers right so yeah that didn't play for me and um i assume he will get his powers back at some point somehow I, maybe not I maybe assume that. i'm not sure he's actually gonna be in the show much going forward I mean, we know he wants to leave. I don't. I don't know what the contract is on that, but I'm not sure how much of them we're going to see. Yeah. So, best line I think of the finale. Mm-hmm. Ebard Thon, see you at our next crisis. <laughs> yep, that's that was pretty great. great. How did you How did you feel about Nora's sacrifice or her death? Not really her, even her. I mean, it was kind of a sacrifice. It was a sacrifice, and it. <sighs> It was good. It was a great it was a great end to her story. Like as far as the writing is concerned, I really loved it. I think it I, I think it was on me that it didn't I, like I got a little choked up, but it, honestly a the average flash finale will will kind of make me cry to some extent. Mhm. This one didn't quite, but I don't think it was the fault of her story or or definitely her acting. I I don't it wasn't I I, I don't I don't know who I don't know her name. I, I I knew it early before like, preseason, but I've forgotten it now. Yeah, I don't think it was her fault, and I don't think it was the story's fault. I honestly think I'm just kind of too tired to have that emotional reaction uh, right now. I I don't think I'm too tired. I I just I think it ran hollow for me. I mean, it was hard, and also I was a little bit distracted by how they did the graphics on it because it looks so damn similar to the Thanos snap shit. Oh, it just, to me, it looked exactly like um, when Thawne was erased from reality after they killed, uh, after um, Eddie killed himself in season Yeah, after one. Eddie killed himself, yeah. That's what the, that, that was the effect, like. Yeah, it should have. And that didn't even occur to me. Uh, so, the back and forth on that, eh. it It was distracting. The back and forth on the CGI and the actual moment was, uh, I don't know, it didn't. Now, like. Barry, what I do remember really affecting me was like Barry literally trying to grab her and his grip getting tighter and tighter until he was basically hugging himself. Like that, that actually was pretty mm-hmm. effective. That, that hurt a little bit to watch. But no, I didn't have yeah. a breakdown. Like I, like I've sobbed at the end of certain seasons of Flash, but. Right. I, th- I think if there was anything that kind of got me was like, and I didn't, I didn't get misty or choked up or anything, but. Uh, I really liked when Barry and uh, Iris said that more than sadness, they feel pride. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was a nice turn. That was good. Um, I'm I'm glad to see that Joe is going to be the captain next year, but also kind of feel like this is his chance to sit behind a desk and not do much. Which, yeah, physically may be the, the thing to do for him. <laughs> right. I was also happy to hear that uh, uh, seeing 
isn't an idiot that he refers to Barry as the Flash. Just like, come on, man. Yeah, that was great. That was cool. That was great. And if I'll if I am if if I'm permitted here, I'll also say it was a bit tone deaf, given that it was juxtaposed so closely with uh, Nora, because he's like blah 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 Flash and. Barry's over there smiling, and I'm like, why are you smiling? I, your daughter just got erased from existence. <laughs> and then, like, right away, he's back with, he's back with, uh, yeah, with Iris, and they're it, talking that, about that. That really did, like, the juxtaposition occurred to me, but the only thing that stopped me from really being uh, put off by it was that is, that is a, a version of the future that he had access to that he should never have had access to. Mm-hmm. So him in the present, he still has his life in front of him. And if I'm him, I'm thinking, you know, we, we if we're going to grow and adapt here, we still have plenty of time to actually have a child. And I have all that time with her now that I didn't have before because this future version came and mm-hmm. gave that to me. Would it be and crazy if they did a thing but, where Iris gets pregnant and it's the tornado twins? It's not even her. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Oh, I'd love um, to see the Tornado Twins. This is the last thing I really had, but I just remembered it. Uh, did you love the shot? Was I the only one that loved the shot of the ring coming out for Eobard and then going back in? I don't even think I noticed that. Oh, dude, he he releases the the costume for it uh, from his ring, uh-huh. and you think it's going to be this this great moment for him where he you know. Uh, I don't know, reclaims his throne in a way, but then it, it just gets shot back immediately because of the uh, they've got a, a plan in the past where Barry and Alan, basically because of Dimney and Barry and Nora's time abilities, they've pretty much come back to thwart him. Mm-hmm. But it was a cool shot because essentially the, the ring explodes, the costume explodes, and it gets almost unraveled, and then it just kind of goes back a little bit. It was a cool moment. Now, I remember him like running and then like... Snapping everybody's heads. No, yeah, that was badass. I loved that. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. but no, I, was, Dude's I remembered him him like running, and then like they show up in the uh the the Flash family shows up in the time ship and just like hits him, just like <laughs> he just like <laughs> oh runs the actual that time assault ship. of Reverse Flash at the end of this episode was really really fun to watch. Everything from like giant rubbery elastic elongated man fists to uh. Mm-hmm. All the flash capabilities, like the actual beatdown of Thon, was pretty fun to watch. Yeah, they did. They did a good job. Gosh, they did. A good, they did a really good job with the effects. Mm-hmm. It's okay, buddy. Stumble over some words with me. I can't help it. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Real mm-hmm. wrong in my brain. Been there. I understand. So anyway, yep. Um, That's all I got, there, buddy. That's all you got. Yep. Arrow. Well, okay. Well, real quick, what do you? Um, how did you feel about the stinger for this flash, where where the time changes from twenty twenty four to twenty nineteen? Oh, yeah, I did like that part because that's been bothering me for a while now. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, that not only did it work for me, I love the fact that they did that in the flash and kind of fixed that error in the D, you know, like the DC W uh, CW verse. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, real, real down part for me for this season. I just didn't, uh, while I loved, I always loved Daniel Panabaker, but, um, I, I loved her little arc as, as Killer Frost, but I just don't give a damn about her parents at all. 
Like her her dad. I just don't care about him. I just don't. Yeah, it worked for me. It was just an His episode. Little Frost family. Uh, well, they, it wasn't just an episode. He he came back a couple times this season. I just remember the one episode. I mean, there was the first one where they find she finds him. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. and then there was the later thing where he comes back as icicle or whatever right, they were calling him. And yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's it. Uh, I feel like it was a pretty uneven season for me, personally, but um, still an enjoyable show. I still look forward to the Flash every week, or as or binging it as as often as I can. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Lord knows there's a, there'd be a lot of shows. Yeah, and we're gonna get to one more. We're gonna talk about the Arrow finale uh, in the next episode. So uh, until then, keep some DC on your screen. Our opening narration was from Dan Jurgens' The History of the DC Universe, Part 3 of 10, as featured in DC 52, Week 4. It was performed by me, David C. Robertson. Intro music by Jason Goss and Michael Shackelford. Michael's band, Future Elevators, can be found on Spotify or future-elevators.com. Our introduction was performed by Effie Ophelders of the fantastic podcast Stealing the Remote, which lives on SoundCloud. It can also be found on iTunes and Stitcher. We are proudly in partnership with TV Time, TV show calendar and social media site that lets you keep track of what you're watching, what your friends are watching, and where you all left off. DC On Screen is a maladjusted production. Visit maladjusted.tv for more from me and Jason, including sketch comedy, an improvised web series, vlogs, parodies, and more. Are you maladjusted? Better Banking is getting an unbelievable 0.99% APR rate on a home equity line of credit from First Commonwealth Bank to turn your bathroom into your, wow, I love this bathroom, bathroom. 0.99% introductory APR for six months that adjusts to a variable rate based on Wall Street Journal prime rate plus or minus a margin with a minimum rate of 2.99% and a maximum rate of 18%. Offer subject to change or withdrawal at any time. Call 1-800-711-2265 for details about credit costs and terms. Equal housing lender, First Commonwealth Bank, member FDIC. Better Banking is getting an unbelievable 0.99% APR rate on a home equity line of credit from First Commonwealth Bank to turn your bathroom into your, wow, I love this bathroom, bathroom. 0.99% introductory APR for six months that adjusts to a variable rate based on Wall Street Journal prime rate plus or minus a margin with a minimum rate of 2.99% and a maximum rate of 18%. Offer subject to change or withdrawal at any time. Call 1-800-711-2265 for details about credit costs and terms. Equal housing lender, First Commonwealth Bank, member FDIC.